Hello everyone and welcome to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan and, and I'll be hosting tonight. Um, hope everyone's well. Um, so we've got another news edition, news-based edition of the pod this week. Been a few things off the field in recent weeks, so we are able to get some new content out to you. It'll probably be quite a short edition this week, though, because just maybe the, there isn't so much to talk about as we've had in previous episodes, but hopefully enough to get a good listen. Tonight, we've got a few stories that we're going to get through, so we're going to be discussing the recent news around the league and season, player salaries, the club's financial position, and rumours of a potential sale. We'll also be talking through the recent transfer speculation and going through all the rumours of who's coming in and who might be on the way out of the club. Um, tonight, I'm joined by two of our regular panellists. So I've got Ben, as always. How are you, Ben? <laughs> good, good, yeah. As always, I mean, it's strange times, but yeah, good. <laughs> I've also got Ed with me. How are you, Ed? I'm good, thank you, Steph. How are you? Yeah, very well, very well. Just we'll just get straight to the the podcast. So the first of the topics we we're going to go through tonight was the discussion around the the future of the season. So we talked about this on the last podcast, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, where we didn't really have a lot of information about what might happen, and we sort of speculated on what the different scenarios might be. So since that's happened, um, about a week ago or so, I think, um, the French president um, Macron. Um, he made an announcement last week um, talking about the poss- you know when France might come out of its lockdown and he mentioned that the um, there wouldn't be any um, you know public events large, um, large-scale events for a considerable time like talking about looking into the summer I think around July time if I'm, if I'm not um, incorrect so that sort of raises questions about or at least sheds a bit more light on when we might be able to resume the season, if if that is what happens. Um, so, guys, what are you thinking now, um, based on that announcement? Are you more hopeful that we're going to see the the season resume later in the summer, or um, do you feel that we're still totally in the dark about what might happen? Oh, so I was waiting for Ed to go, but I'll go, I guess. Hey, I was waiting for you. <laughs> we're too polite. Um, well, yeah. yeah, the government, well, they, they've announced a provisional date of 11th of May in France for the things to gradually start easing in terms of, you know, confinement and people staying locked down. Uh, what that means for sporting events isn't quite clear at this stage, but what what is clear is that there seems to be a real will by not just the French League, but different leagues around Europe to finish the current season, no matter when they finish and whether that goes by condensing the remaining games over the course of a few weeks or <clears throat> sort of, you know, finding a rhythm where we, we move to start of the next season. That seems to be the way we're heading. What what are your thoughts, Ed? Um, well, I've we've read the news recently that Macron is saying, like, we're not going to have any events till at least July. It might be a case we start the season mid uh, early September and then we finish effectively a week or two before the European Championships. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, because we need to get these games done. UEFA said the uh, Champions League will be the 29th of August regardless. But PSG will obviously need to play their games. So, honestly, I think probably we will have to see a later start to the season after we get the games done by the close door. Depending, of course, if if we're already by then because of the training grounds which we can get to and from. Yeah, so I guess um, I, I suppose with this one it's just a bit of a wait and see, isn't it? We're, kind of, we're still not totally clear, but maybe, um, I guess maybe we're kind of hopeful that it might be possible um, later in the summer, but it might be behind closed doors, yeah. That that seems to be a definite, I mean, just, I, I guess, a bit of an inside scoop. So, OM, the, the Director General, so Laurent Corret did a, a call earlier with all of the sort of leaders from the different OM nations around the world. And uh, the main highlights, I mean, a lot of it was, was stuff we already know, it's out in the press, but the main highlight was what is clear is that if and when a date is agreed, clubs are, are requesting and sort of demanding that there be a minimum of three weeks of build-up to that that sort of date so that they can go back to training and they can, they can get the players fit again 
um, whether that goes through staggered training sessions, so restrained groups at certain different times of the day that get fit in, in small groups, they don't expose everybody to each other, etc. But that that is the, the will, is that 99% certain that the, the season will resume in some shape or form. But what is clear is there will be a delay before the, once the date is set, there will be a delay before we actually see the games because we don't want, you know, clubs don't want their players to get injured, etc. Yeah, so the the league wants to stick to its target, isn't it? Its initial target, so June. So the the ban on public gatherings is until mid July. So that's like as you said, we're likely we're going to see possibly a few games, maybe behind closed doors. If that happens, like, um, how bad do you think that's going to be for Marseille in terms of the season? Do you think that we're going to drop points as a result of that? Well, I think everyone's going to be in the same boat, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, it, it would be nice to have some fans, but unfortunately, circumstances say no. But you've got to realise everyone is in the same boat. Every club will not have fans. So there's no excuse. We've got to turn up. Got well, to... some clubs don't have fans anyway. You know, like well... <laughs> <laughs> well, they should win the league then, if they've still got a chance. But Yeah, they'll be totally unaffected by it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh... Look, let's just get on with it. They're professionals. You know, we will be behind them, whether it be from the TV screen to a bar to even a quarantine facility. We will be behind them. So they've just got to get on with it, be professional. But they should know that every fan of every club is behind them all the way. True. Yeah, it's going to affect, I think it's going to affect players, but they'll get used to it after a couple of games. I think from from a purely OM point of view, if you look, it's going to affect us mainly in the big games we have left to play. So PSG, for example, it, we all hope every year that we're going to do something at the Velodrome against them. It's going to be impossible without the fans. I don't see that being likely. Um, and to be fair, the, the only other big game we have at home was... was with Nice and Monaco so Lyon we were playing away so that's going to hinder them more than it's going to hinder us um, it, it, yeah everybody's in the same boat but I think once the first couple of games are out of the way people will get back into the rhythm well players will just get into the rhythm not back into it but into the rhythm of playing in front of empty stands and I think it's in Germany is it um, there's a club in Germany that's trialling perhaps putting cardboard cutouts of the fans in the stands and playing recorded chats which back. Glad, glad back, glad yeah, back could do it. Yeah, yeah, which, which to be fair, is better than nothing, I guess. If you have recorded chants and it adds a bit of atmosphere, and you have cardboard cutouts and colours in in the stands, it's the least the club should be doing, really. And it's a good way of keeping the employees active because it makes the stadium look a bit more alive than if it's completely empty. Who knows? Maybe that's the solution. Okay, um, so I think we'll move on actually because there's a few other topics um, I wanted to discuss tonight. Um, so the next one was just thinking about a story that came out in recent days. Um, it was covered by Le Keep and it was regarding um, player salaries. So play, um, the story was that Marseille are um, looking to reduce the salaries of a number of the highest earners at the club and that they were seeking legal advice on how to do this um, and that some of those you know, the story was saying that some of those players as well, you know, not supportive of the idea um, and that it was, um, you know, there was the potential for quite a um, heated sort of legal battle um, and as a result of this. Now, I understand that that story, like, Ero, the Marseille president's come out and responded to that and they said that that's not true and that's not something they're looking to do and that any sort of discussions like that, they wouldn't be in the media anyway, but they would be kind of, you know they'd be having those discussions with players and so and so on. Um, what do you think about this story? Although it's been denied, do you think that there's any truth to it? Um, given that we've seen you know the other discussions in recent months, I guess about the fact that there are a lot of high earning players on the wage bill that maybe we the club can't afford to keep. Uh, well, we got. I'd say 15% pay cut would be sufficient. But the story, it's rumoured that it's not true from what I've read. But all clubs in Europe, especially the Premier League, have, all their players have been told, take a pay cut. So it's highly likely. But have they keep got their reports wrong? I mean, who's their source? Who's their, Who's this person telling them? I mean, I'd like to know that. That's the first thing. I mean, who's briefing them? 
surely it should be between the players, Oru, McCaw and Zubaretta on what they're being paid, not someone who is from the keep. So, I don't know. Take it with a pinch of salt. That's what I would say. But if it's true, yeah. take, a, take a pay cut. But 15%, maybe 30 depending on the financial acumen of that particular player, if they've got enough to keep them going. I think, I think yeah, it's been debunked and it's been the club have denied it. But I think it's a wage deferral, isn't it? It's not the permanent pay cut. It's a deferral. Is that right? Ah, uh, OK. I think it's a deferral. Um, yeah, I think that's right. It's something about... Um, oh, no. Because I think there's two things going on about that. Um, so there was... Because um, am I right in saying that there was... That they've, they, they'd asked... They were looking at deferring wages until next season. Until the end I of the season, sorry. I think no. I think what what's happening is you've got a game of chicken and egg, haven't you? Because the the league, well, so the, the league presidents, I think four of them, Iro and Nasser Al Khraifi, as we know, um, they they've come out and voiced concern that the Canal Plus are being sport are withholding TV money, which yeah. we, we discussed last time. So I think what they're what they're trying to negotiate with the players is until the league resumes and we do get that cash, that financial windfall yeah, from them, right. yeah. then we'll be able to pay you. But until then, can you help us out and, and take a bit of an effort? And I guess on that front, I mean, a bit of inside information as well we got earlier from, from Laurent Collette was that Zubizarreta and Hero have gone, have completely forsaken their salaries to ensure that all the non-permanent staff and match day staff and, and other employees get paid 100%. So they've, They've personally taken a sacrifice, and um, you'd expect, I would imagine, that any deal with the players would would cover them as well in terms of you know just a bit of solidarity, really maintaining pay for other members of staff. So it's it's a tricky subject because players have contracts, etc. I think the the Lekeep story was more scaremongering and trying to stir shit, saying that Iro was seeking to permanently reduce salaries. And that players would yeah, seek, exactly. le- yeah, yeah, players would seek legal advice and try and sue the club and and breach their contracts and go free if they disagreed with it. So it, it, there seems to be a lot of shit stirring going on, which is, you know, usually the case for Lekeep as someone who follows them regularly. It's it's just the quality of that that newspaper, unfortunately, has gotten worse and worse and worse over the years in terms of their stories. It's, it's and and we know that they're pro PSG. So there's there's potentially there's. Kind of two stories there, which I was going to come to the second one there, which was because I know that the French government have also confirmed like a um, like a relaxation of like um, is it business charges or something or, or yeah, it's or, tax. Or, I think it's, it's tax. Ta- taxes it's, for it's employer um, tax. Yeah, right, right, okay. Um, sorry, my French like uh, isn't great, so isn't isn't outstanding. So translation is probably not great. But your English um, isn't either, mate. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, I was going to come to that story after, but yeah, you're you're quite right. So like this story in the keep was kind of talking about um, the you know about what the possibility that this was a kind of route to a long term sort of salary um, cut for certain players. You know that this was a way that the club you know were potentially looking at sort of achieving that. Um, and that discussion itself. I guess is the bit that I understood that they're looking to get advice on and see what's possible, or, or, or at least what that's what the keeper reporting, which is kind of quite messy and um, quite controversial. Um, so, you know, if you're thinking about like um, cutting, if you're thinking about asking an employee to reduce their wage, you know, and take the coronavirus and the TV rate situation out of it. If you're asking your employee to cut your wage, I think I don't know how it works in in France, but I, I presume it's probably the same because a lot of UK like sort of workers' rights, you know, are enshrined in EU EU law anyway. Um, but like in the UK, if you're asking your employer to your employee, sorry, to to reduce their salary, you can't you can't reduce their salary without them agreeing to it, you know. Um, but you can make them redundant if they don't. And, you, and employers will have you know reasons why they can justify doing that, like things like you know income is you know reduced income coming in and things like that. So I guess like with that one, I kind of my my fear was that was that maybe this was a kind of sort of backdoor route to maybe trying to get rid of a couple of players that are just not sellable, that are earning more than the club really want to be paying them. You know, so like guys like Strutman, even Sertic, the fact that he doesn't. 
he doesn't play and he's not so yeah so maybe that there was a, you know if there was any truth to it that, that this could be a sort of sneaky way to sort of um, address some of those issues and we've got a real problem of selling players you know um, that we don't want to keep on our wage bills if you think about it, there's guys like Kostas Mitroglu still floating around you know we ship them out on loan we can't seem to sell them they're earning quite good money yeah, yeah it's, it's just Ed, go on, go on. No, 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 you first, Ben. You jumped in. No, it's a quick one. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's you know, as an individual, your first your first reaction to any employer trying to take money off you is going to be piss off. I've got a contract. Um, I think footballers' contracts are even more solid because it's you know there's a lot of money in play and they've they've got lots of rights and image rights and all of those things that go with it. So it's not something you can achieve very simply. And it's all, you know, it's two sides to the story. Yes, the club may may struggle financially if players don't show a bit of solidarity and so-called club heroes like Mondanda, Payet, Tovard are on big wages. You know, you'd expect them to, with all the, the, the words that they say that they love the club and the fans, to make a bit of an effort. But at the same time, it was the club who agreed to give them high wages in the first place. So both part, well, the, the club are to blame and they're trying to make up for past mistakes, in my view. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um. I. I guess that makes sense. I mean. I do. I am of the opinion like that. With the current situation, I. I guess that the. You know. There's. You've got to think about the overall overall health of the club and the the staff. The you know the other um, paid staff at the club that don't earn like the players do, and the the club's ability to keep you know to keep paying this, those staff and everyone uh, keep everyone at the club and some of these players you know. Are earning a lot of money, so you know you could you could say that it's you know it could be the right thing to do, you know to to sort of um, I guess be open to that sort of discussion. But I guess it's not it's a difficult one, isn't it? And I I, I and I think I think we we talked about this recently off the pod. It's kind of a bit more complex than it seems, you know, asking um people to to accept a salary cut and there's you know there's other ways in which you know you're sort of thinking about well what about tax and the fact that government makes money on tax and and so on is that actually going to do more harm than it is going to do good in the bigger you know in the grander scale of things um so yeah i think it's not as simplistic as you initially think okay if we don't have anything more to say about that shall i move on guys yeah go agree with ben i agree yeah go ahead i agree with what ben said so so Good. Okay, but not me. <laughs> well, I agree with that as well. Don't worry, Steph, I'm not being anti Scottish. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? Oh, the two used to I'm just it. saying, I don't want you. Go- I, don't, I don't want you spread. I don't speak English. I don't, want, to, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to tweet with my mention, my name on it, saying no, this so- guy is this guy is fucking anti Scottish. Avoid him at all costs. Well, some some Scottish people would say that we don't speak English anyway. That we speak Scots actually, but anyway. So yeah, the next story was that um, I wanted to talk about was um, the club's finances actually. So again, news has sort of come out recently about the state, the financial state of the club, which we know isn't good, and we've known for some time that you know the club are you know they're making losses, that they're under pressure from UEFA. Um, so the recent reports that came out, I think, um, were that at the end of last season. Uh, Marseille were and had losses of ninety one million euros, with a wage bill of one hundred and twenty seven million. Okay, and and the I guess the TV money or the the forecasted TV money as well, you know, is a major um, factor in how whether or not that you know is able, they're able to balance that out at all. Are you worried, I guess, about the current state of the club financially um, when you're reading these stories? It seems to get worse and worse every time we, we hear the latest you know, update about our finances. Well, I mean, if this was a normal business, let's just say this was a, I don't know, a clothing brand, it would have been shut down by now. The owner would have been in jail. The employees would have been redundant and the shops that would have been left would have been, retur- would have been turned into charity shops. It is incredibly worrying to see these losses and plus the wage bill being astronomically expensive. Plus the fact we're not going to get TV rights because let's face it, you know, the TV companies are going to say we're not televising football behind closed doors. So we could be in real trouble, especially if we get second. 
And let's just say UEFA don't give the full amount of Champions League money that we were expecting. Uh, there needs to get there needs to be a balance between good business acumen and getting the best players for the best money. If you can't do that, you shouldn't be in a football club. You should be running be running a soup kitchen because they make losses every time, but not a football club. This is 91 million. I look at those figures and my eyes water. But obviously, Frank McCourt doesn't give a shit. Uh, that's harsh, Ed. I mean, you know, McCourt's paying operating costs. So under, under the rules of like the financial density and also financial fair play, the owner can re-inject money to cover operating costs and to maintain the club solvable. What they can't do, what he can't do, is throw, put 50 million in and says, right, go and buy me a player with 50 million. So that's what they can't do under the rules. So he's doing the bare minimum, which is, to be fair, what you'd expect of an owner anyway, is to, you know, maintain the club going and and maintain the the, the playing squad, etc., bare minimum. But the fact is, the way, the main impact this is going to have on Marseille is we might not need to sell as much, but we just won't be able to buy we won't have cash to buy unless we sell quite a few players is, is the likelihood compared to in a normal situation with normal TV money. We would have only had to sell maybe one player for 40 million or two players for 20 million or whatever um, to, to reach, to break even and have some, some spending money for next season. We would have had based on that calculation, probably 25 million to spend for the new season. But currently we, we're screwed. We're just screwed oh, yeah. in, uh, in the way it's going. And that's that's nothing to do. With, we could have Saudi owners tomorrow, which, yes, if they wanted to put money in and, and you know absolve the club of all its debts, great. That doesn't change the fact that your operating costs are still through the roof without new income like sponsorship or or Champions League money or, or player sales. So it's, it's a vicious circle that it's going to be even worse for a club like ours now. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, we, we need a player or two. A striker, possibly, and then maybe a defender. Maybe we need a new goalkeeper because Steve's getting on a bit. But I mean, just look at like like you've mentioned the Saudi Arabian owners. We don't know if they can be able to afford it because of what's going on with the oil prices. Because the Saudi economy mostly depends on oil, so we don't know what will happen there. But okay, I may have been a bit harsh, but still, we need something. We need something. That's clarification. If you've got a bit wet, a loss making of ninety-one million, you know an accountant would look at that and say this business is insolvable. So there needs to be something done. We need to get rid of the deadwood. If there's any deadwood on the wage bill, you get rid of them. Simple, like Gregory says. Yeah, that that, that, that and, like, the sh- and the stupid decision makers. Yeah, who, well, that who is, have spent that many. Yeah, well, like let's just look at a play. Gregory Sertic, he hasn't played. He's hardly played since he's arrived. He's not done anything. He's not been good enough. How much has he been? He's been paid more than the average Joe. He's a burn on the wage bill. Let's just get rid of him on a free transfer. Anything just to clear it out, for heaven's sake. It's getting I think it's, too... it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, yeah, when you look at amazing. the history... Yeah, when you look at OM historically, we've had... I think we're the, the one club in, in Europe who's had the most of those players. I mean... We had Philippe Christenval for fucking years sat in reserves. We were paying yeah. him. He was one of the highest earners. He was sat in the reserves for two years. We've yeah. had players like David Sommet and another... Rod Fanny was, was put away for six months Oof. because we were trying to get him off the wage bill. And Bielsa said, no, bring him back. So we're short on players in the first team. So we just seem to be incapable of, of investing soundly into players and leveraging that investment and then trying to get some money back. We just end up having to put these players on the sidelines, pay their wages, and then wait till they leave on the free. It's just it's just shocking. We make the same mistakes over and over. Yeah, yeah it's like the same with um, Doria. Doria didn't play for years before he, he got the, you know an opportunity. You know, the scouts have the acumen of a football of a wannabe football manager who plays a bit of the game and then decides, oh, I think I can do this because he thinks he's got someone from Casina who can do the job of a right back at somewhere like I don't know Preston. You know, it's ridiculous. We just sign rubbish. We just sign crap that stays on the bench, festers, does nothing, and then does an after dinner speaking con after dinner speaking course where they talk about, oh, I played briefly under Marto Bielsa. I played about a minute in a game against well, I don't know, Bastia. But they can make a living out of it. And yet we're paying these players. We do nothing. 
ridiculous. And these times as well. That's actually a good excuse. Corona says, sorry, mate, you need a wage cut. So... I mean, yeah, Steph, you've been following the club for a while. I mean, Christoval, all of those. You, you remember those guys, don't you? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, Christoval, just thinking about him, actually, I mean, he was a really big talent when he went to Barcelona, but he had lots of injury problems, wasn't it? And that's why it never really happened for him at Marseille. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a good point, actually. Like, um, there's quite a few players, you know, over the years like that that just, yeah, do seem to kind of float around like dead wood and um, we don't seem to get rid of them we're, we're one of the only clubs that does this you've got to wonder like why does that keep happening with under different management as well I mean that's that is very strange um, I mean I'm trying to think about who there was like I'm sure like if I sat long enough you know I could think of a few names but like, it was like Christian, Christian, Christian Rimenez was that as well we signed him as a striker yeah, he, he was there that long though was he he stayed for about 18 months to two years and after six months I think he scored on his first game on his debut at home and then he was absolutely fucking awful for, for, for months before this though I think there was a few other players as well you know in that sort of run about 2000 to like 2004 it, um, we had a few Brazilians was it uh, Jose Delphine? Jose Jose Delphine, the Portuguese guy who who had, I think he had like teeth problem or something. You know, he had a really dodgy injury, and we we ended up paying him for three years, and he never he wasn't even training. I mean, the guy wasn't even in the squad. He was just barely attending training because he had this injury, and it's just it's just a farce. It's just money thrown out the window. This has been happening for years. Like I was just thinking. Like there was definitely a few. Play- there was a time though. I think before pre two thousand four, where we just had so many different players coming in and out of the club, you know, from all over the world. Um, it was quite a strange time. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a few players I can remember being shipped on loan to Brazilian clubs and things like that, like Fernandão, and I think maybe on as Andre Luiz was one maybe as well. But they were floating around for a lot for a lot longer than you think. Andre Luiz went to fucking PSG. He was good for us for a year, and then he went to PSG. Yeah, and he was shit there. But yeah, it's just it's just it just happens too often. We you sort of look at Marseille and you wonder if it's dodgy agent deals with someone at the club taking a brown envelope, and then it just when they leave or get sacked or whatever, it doesn't matter. The players stuck with that. Sorry, the club stuck with that player on the books because someone wanted to make a quick buck. Late. Leti in G- in GIA or something. Do you remember him? He was around for he was, years. No, he was an academy. He was an academy player. No, though. he wasn't. He was bought when he was like eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, he wasn't. I remember he was. He's, he they bought. They brought him in from I think from Africa or something. But he they signed him and he was this young prospect and he was just there forever and never played. And I think he had a lot of injuries as well. But he was there for so long. Like when you check, I I. It's worth going back and checking it out, but I'm sure he was there for at least five years or so and never never, never played. But now we've just got loads of them at the same time. We've got Setic, we've got Streetman, who's now on the bench, we've got Mitroglou, who's been shipped out all over Europe, left, right and centre. Yeah. We, we seem to have a lot of them on the books currently, which just culminates and, and emphasises the bad management. Don't forget we had... Don't forget we had- don't forget we had Thomas Hoberchamp for years and we never played him. Yeah. He again That's lasted longer than he should have done, yeah. So, yeah, yeah so he was good for a few, he, he was good for a few games and then he just got discarded in Siberia. To be fair, he, he was shit. He wasn't that bad, I don't think. He was just very average. <laughs> Come on. Um he wasn't good enough, but he wasn't he wasn't terrible. I I, I kinda feel like he was not really the worst of them all. But anyway, we're kind of like sort of losing um, focus from the topic. Um, so, good, just going back to that discussion about the finances. So, just thinking about the financial fair play. So, recently there was um suggestion, or well, UEFA had said, I think, that they were going to relax financial fair play um, this year because of coronavirus. But now, in the recent days, there's, sorry, there's been rumours that that's not the case. I don't know if you've seen this floating around. So the the latest um, that I'm seeing floating around the internet is that m- m- that might not be true, and that financial fair play will still be um, in as you say in action this summer. And there's been talk about certain clubs as well, you know, potentially Marseille. I don't know if they're named as such, but being denied access to the Champions League as a result if that happens. So it's a bit like a soap opera, isn't it? 
Well, it goes back and forth. I, I, I think what's what's been clarified in the last few days, and don't don't quote me 100% on this, but I think what is being relaxed is the sanctions, but it's too late in the case of a club like Man City because it's gone beyond UEFA. It's now with the arbitrary tribunal of sports in, in, in Switzerland and shit. So it won't have an effect on clubs like Man City who have already been sanctioned, but I think they're relaxing sanctions, but they're not relaxing the rules, which means that, Clubs are still on the on the radar, and clubs are still under pressure to sort themselves out. They just won't be penalised as heavily as they would have been under normal circumstances. That, that that's my understanding of it, but I may be wrong. Uh, I don't know, Ed. Have you got anything to add to that? Or? I think Ben took the words out of my mouth. To be honest, no worries. Okay, so um, I guess like one one thing that we can sort of take from all this is that there's a lot of a lot of these um, subjects are kind of getting a lot of airtime, and it's probably largely because there's no football to talk about you know so we're spending a lot more time talking about you know things like the business side of the clubs and, and obviously coronavirus and the sort of instability um of the world is obviously a, a huge factor in this as well but i do wonder that another t- you know if the, if the games were to go on would be would these stories be getting as much um coverage as they are perhaps not um, and maybe because of that, we can sort of maybe take some of it with a you know with a pinch of salt and not kind of read too much into everything that's getting um, churned out by papers because you know essentially you know news outlets needing things to write about as well because there isn't any well any football to cover you know so they're gonna they're gonna be looking to 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 cover what they can um, and and sell papers or you know get hits on their websites and so on so. So yeah, so there's a lot of stories out there, I guess, that's worth um, sort of questioning, and that kind of leads me to the next one, which is again, you know, um, a rumor. So a journalist reported, I think it was Roman Molina, is that right? Reported that, and I believe right, he's reported this same rumor before. He so he's re- he's reported a rumor that. Um, Frank McCourt is looking to sell the club. He's he's open to offers. If he gets a good offer, he will he will sell the club. Um, now again, I understand this has been denied, but as I said, this isn't the first time that this rumor has has come out there. This rumor has been floating about for a long time. It kind of reoccurs every so often. I believe it's come from the same journalist more than once as well. Do you think there's anything in this? Because surely, if it keeps coming back, there must be something there, no? Uh, well. Not really. I don't think it's been denied, and I think it's probably um, well. If he's repeated it several times, it must something must be truthful. Uh, I can remember Mister Molina said on an Instagram live that he would chop his balls off if the uh, rumor wasn't true. Well, <laughs> I'd just like I'd just like to ask uh, Mister Molina's, um, what knife would you like to use? Uh, would you like to use a machete? Would you like to use a carving knife? Because I think this story is bullshit, and I think. Since you've got to be a man of your promises, fire away. Um, bread and, knife, bread knife. Uh, <laughs> most painful way possible. Um, but in in serious, uh, in, in, seriously, it's. Um, I mean, we hear this room every year, but um, I don't think it's true. I, I, I would hope McCourt would stick out for another two seasons. Uh, this well, you, I, you were saying last time you want him to go. <laughs> because, I was hear, because I was hearing BS. I've mellowed. I've I've I've, I've thought about <laughs> it, and I've I've considered the options, and I think, oh Christ, we might have the French answer to my Gasly uh, taking over. So if Frank's got, if Frank wants to do another season, fine. If he wants to sell after that, fine by me. You know, it's um, I don't believe it's true that he wants to sell up yet. I mean, he still hasn't won anything. So, I think uh, myself. Yeah, I, I think it's more. You look at more of it from the financial sense point of view, and you go with COVID, everything's screwed. You know, financial value of, of players and, and clubs and, and items and commodities has, has been divided by two at least. So you sort of look at it, and that's just due to lack of money being able to spend on those things. And you, you look at it, and you, you go, a, who's going to want to buy in the current climate? B if you're really trying to sell something and you want to get a decent price for it, would you wear that in public? You wouldn't. You'd do it all all in the background and, and keep it as secret as possible. Um, I, I think he's not looking to sell, but I think he's open to the idea, should someone come along and take it off his hands and say, right, I'll give you a wad of cash for it and whatever, I think then he'd, he'd listen to it. 
being a being a businessman that he is. But I, I don't think they're actively promoting a sale of the club. But I'd be very surprised if they are because not not just because as you say Ed, he's not won anything, but because as well he's he invested in Marseille in the city because he wanted to expand his property empire, which he he's you know it's a lot easier for him to do that if he owns Marseille the football club and has those local ties and the local influence than if he doesn't have the club. So until he does that and, and acquires, I think he's looking at Pak Channel, which is the big the big ground, well, there's a lot of ground available around the stadium to possibly build shopping centres and flats and that type of shit, or big, big exhibition halls. Until he, he gets that, or at least has an inkling that he's going to get that, I don't think he'll sell because he needs the club to influence local decision makers. Well, yeah, exactly. And plus, um, one more thing. Who would buy a football club in this year, in this time? You know, coronavirus. There's a lot more going on than the Saudis. You no, know, let's get apart from the Saudis. Like any other owner, let's just. I mean, the football club values probably deteriorated, but people's incomes have deteriorated since then. So he can't sell Saudi one. He might as well just stick around. Like I said, but um, sorry for interrupting. Um, that's a good point, Ed. Actually, and I think. You know, anyone buying a club has got to think about, um, you know, because we don't know what the future is going to be like. Are people going to be able to afford to go to the games? Are they going to, you know, are they going to be afford to buy merchandise? We don't really know how bad, you know, the, um, I guess the economic impact of all this is going to be. Um, I mean, the suggestion is it's going to be really, really bad. So, yeah, you you know, if you're going to invest in anything, you know, a businessman's going to want to know that they're going to be able to to make their money back and, and, and profit, and that's really unclear. So, yeah, you, it doesn't seem a sensible time to, to, to make such a big purchase like that. But then, who knows? I don't know anything about business, so I'll just shut up there. Um, one, one thing I will say about... You know, these rumours is that the, the precedent is there already. So if you think back about McCourt's time at LA Dodgers, he did sell up, you know, when things weren't going well. Um, he cut his losses and he he used, you know, he used that club to, I guess, to sell them on, on at a good price and, and sort of get out um you know, with sort of, with, you know, with a sort of hefty package. Um financial package for himself so you can't I guess because the precedent is there you can't totally rule it out you know there's this you know we mentioned in the last podcast that the very company that he sold early Dodgers to Guggenheim Partners you know or that perhaps some of his money is tied in, in Marseille is, is possibly tied up in this company as well um, there was lots of links with this company rumours about this company potentially buying Marseille before before McCourt's name actually appeared, you know, when there was rumours of a potential sale, I don't know if you remember, but Guggenheim Partners, you know, their name was floating around as a potential buyer of the club before we even knew about McCourt. So we can't rule it out, you know, that he might have other investors that he might, you know, be in contact with, that might have interest in the club, that he might be able to, you know, to sell his share to, you know, if he feels that things aren't going well. Um, you can't rule it out, I guess. And, his, you know, history said that, although he talks about being in it for the long term, he's always said that, that he is interested in investing in sports, you know, because he's passionate about sports he and so on. But history says that he's invested in things and then got out. Um, so, you know, you've got to kind of treat him as a businessman first and, and not... Um, I guess be sucked in too much to the kind of the the spiel that he's going to feed to the fans. I guess exactly that. And it's how long can you keep going like this, making loss after loss after loss financially, not forever, especially if his personal fortune's going down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know he's a rich man. He's going to look after his own interests before anything, isn't he? He's not going to give a shit about Marseille. I think that's probably all we really want to say about the sale. Um, now, you said we'd go through some transfer rumours because there's quite a few of them, actually, even though we're still only in April. There's some fun ones, some fun ones. Yeah, there is. So I think we'll start with the depart- rumoured departures. Um, so one of them was um, Bubakar Kamara. Unsurprisingly, you know, he's starting to get his name starting to be linked with some large clubs. I think Man City recently, I think possibly Barcelona or someone I read, recently, another huge club in recent weeks as well, but... 
Yeah, do you think we're going to lose them in the summer? I mean, naturally, big clubs are going to start, you know, circling and realising that he has a talent, yeah? Yeah, we'll lose him, don't worry. Young defender, playing well. I'd say on the verge of the French squad, near Euro 2021, we're going to lose him. I hate to say he's been a good player for us, but City are too big to... We can't beat them. We cannot beat an offer of 50 million. Especially in this era, we're not as rich as them. We're not as wealthy. The Premier League isn't as wealthy as Liga. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to suffer that and we're going to have to bring someone in. So, I think it's probably going to be, you know, a loss to us. But a huge game for Manchester City. Well, I think for the reasons you've just described, it's in Kamara's interest to stay. Because if he wants to play Euro 2021 or get in the squads... And unfortunately, the fact it's been moved gives him another year to develop and, and get some games under his belt. He's not going to get as much game time as he is at Marseille. So, especially in that defensive midfielder position where it's fairly blocked in the fans' squad, he's going to have to have a blinding season. And if he's on bench, half of it at City or Barcelona, he's not going to get in the squad. So, uh, yes, we've seen it happen at Marseille before. Before uh, Margarita Louis-Dreyfus left, they sold Payet, they sold Tovan because we needed cash, even though they didn't want to leave. But if you look at all of our players, he is the one player that you'd look at and go, fucking hell, no way are we selling him. He's the one, the, the, the absolute only player we need to keep out of all of the ones we could sell. I'd, I'd, be, I'd, more, I'd be much happier losing Sanson and Tovin than losing Kamara at this stage because I think his value is going to increase even more and he's you know he could wear the armband next season who knows yeah um okay so I guess we've probably got a we're quite right to be a little bit fearful that he'll leave um now the second player rumored to well who's attracting interest I, I don't even know how I can say this sentence seriously, <laughs> but um, so, and I hadn't spotted this Ben until you pointed this one out earlier on um, in the group chat pre you know pre podcast sort of planning chat. Um, so Bunasars has been linked to Atletico Madrid and Sevilla and West Ham. I understand as well. Does that seem realistic to you? I mean, maybe West Ham is realistic. Premier League clubs like that are stupid. They just pay money for anyone, I think. But in Sevilla, I can maybe believe because um, they're always looking for a kind of decent sort of mid, you know, mid-range priced player. But Atletico Madrid just seems ludicrous, doesn't it? What do you guys think? Atletico Madrid, they need someone to um, they need someone to clean up Kieran Trippier's boots. Um, as for Sevilla West Ham, it's probably realistic. Sevilla need a backup and West Ham needs someone. So, it's not realistic he'll go to Atletico Madrid. Unless they're so short on boot cleaners that they'll take Bunasara and they'll say, yeah, you know, first time got <laughs> clean, clean, clean Kieran's boots up, please, urgently. <laughs> but, nah. Guys, uh, I- I'm going to... Bit go on a bit of a Bunasar appreciation rant here, but I'm not going to say I'd love the guy, but he's not done that badly this year. He's got a few assists. He's been one of our, our most consistent performers, if you look over the course of the season. And statistically, I, I was actually as surprised as I was about the rumour, to be fair. It came out the other day. I think he's one of the top... Um, successful dribblers in Ligue 1 this season. He's the, one of the players who's gotten past his man the more often in terms of attempts of getting around his man. So if you look at it from a purely statistical point of view, he's not an awful player. We know from watching him week in, week out, he's not amazing. But who knows? Maybe he, you know, maybe if he takes a step to another club with a, a manager like Simeone, he'll, he'll improve. And he, he's, he's a decent utility player. Yes, I'd hope that we can sign better to replace him if he did leave and, and while he's still there as well but let's face it he's not that bad he's he's average but he's not he's not shit we've had a lot worse well I think Steph I think Steph I think Steph would argue that so I think Steph would say something well, was... otherwise no, he is no 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 I've been talking to friend. you enough tonight go ahead <laughs> no 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 it's fine you go ahead so I, yeah I was just <laughs> I was wondering like earlier on when I was sort of um Looking at this before the pod, like, am I missing something? Is he actually all right? You know, I mean, maybe he's not terrible, but 
Like, is he actually kind of good? I just, I'm just not seeing it. Is it a bit like last year? I don't, you know, some of the listeners might remember. Um, we used to talk about Ocampos a lot. And it was very divided, and some people thought Ocampos was great, and some of us, I think Luca especially, was not a fan of Lucas Ocampos. Um, and then Lucas Ocampos goes off to Spain, and he's really fucking good. Is this what Bunasar is going to do? Fucking hell. You, 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 would, you would probably be shooting yourself if that happened. I mean, I can't imagine how you'd react yeah. to stuff. Yeah, we could, we, could probably, we could probably hear the scream from Leeds to here. Um, I will pro- if it, if Bunisar turns out to be a star at Atletico Madrid, I will run around my house naked, greased up in butter. That's our little confidence I have that he will be a success <laughs> anywhere else. It's going to be like your romance. You are, no, please, please don't be a success. <laughs> oh Jesus, this will be a disaster. The whole, the whole street will be terrified. They'll be like, oh my god. The other strange thing, strange thing about this is that. Atletico Madrid, right, looking at their squad, they've got Kieran Trippier, who, I mean, I don't, he's okay, he's nothing special, right, he's a decent player, but he's not catastrophic or anything, actually, it's kind of strange that he ended up there as well, I was a bit like, what, when that one happened last summer, but they've got the Croatian guy, Vrishalko, who, I understand he's been in, had a really serious injury, but he's a fucking good, decent right back, you know, and they've got the Colombian guy, is it, what's his name? Arias, I think, is that right? Arias, he's a good little player. Like, I mean, I have to. I mean, I must admit, I'm not. I don't follow Atletico Madrid week in week out, so I don't um, know how these guys have been doing. Presumably not very well, but but seriously, like, Bunasar can't be better than any of them, even if they are injured all the time. Who knows? Who knows? It's strange. So, on the subject of rumours. Play, well, players that have been rumoured um, to be of interest to Marseille. Um, there's a few names floating around. I mean, not nothing terribly exciting, I have to say. Um, the first one that we're going to talk about, I guess, is the not player left back, um, Triori. Um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with him. He's not a particularly well-known name, is he? He's he's okay. No, but... Yeah. Yeah, he's no, okay, uh, Steph, yeah. just to, to give you an idea. He's, he's okay. He's he's 21. I think that's where the attraction is. And I think 28. what is clear is that with... He's 28, is he? I thought oh. he was younger than that. It's just like this talk sport. It's just like this talk sport moment where he, they discuss in the Scotland squad and they say, he's finished, he's finished. Not finished, he's only 28. Uh, That's what you two are like at the moment. Yeah, yeah anti anti yeah, no, Anti-enemy. <laughs> Haven't done a research basically tonight. Um, you can tell this podcast was arranged very last yeah. minute. No, he's, well, I don't know. I think what, what is clear, though, I think the club have, have unofficially qualified this, but they're looking for a backup to Amarvi, given Amarvi's upturn in form. So it wouldn't be to replace Amarvi. Um, but... Still, I mean, we do. We know we know we need a left back, but you would think with the youngsters we have that we've got enough to maybe provide some cover internally there. Um, who knows? I mean, it's you know, it's a dodgy transfer, but we've been pleasantly surprised with these these you know these random league on players. I mean, Bunasal's turned out okay-ish for saying oh, we spent a million on him. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got other players that, that you you look at Alvaro Gonzalez. Everybody was like, "Who the fuck's he?" When we signed him, and he's had a blinding season. So, if you don't take gambles, you, you don't get anywhere. So, as long as he doesn't cost us more than three or four million, why not? If he can provide cover in that position, why not? We need a bigger squad anyway. Um, Ed, have you got any thoughts on that? Uh, apart from the fact I've never heard of him, no. Uh... That's fine. I don't think many people have, so I'm, I don't think I wouldn't feel embarrassed. It just sounds like some sort of random left back that we need. League that I follow pretty much never. He, he probably plays for. He probably just plays because no one else can play at Nantes. I mean, bearing my Nantes are on a big club, so it's understandable. But if backups backup, if we need it, let's take it. But only for about two million. Okay, no um, there is another left back actually that was linked to us. I, th- I don't know if anyone's seen um, young player for Toulouse. I think is it his Portuguese name? I think it was something like Gonçalves or something. I can't remember. I might get his name wrong, but so we definitely are looking for a left back. Um, I wasn't going to mention him though because I don't know anything about him either. But 
Looking at the other names that were mentioned, so one of them, slightly more high profile in French football, is um, Thomasson, um, who's a sort of, I guess, left winger, attacking midfielder, plays for Strasbourg. I think he used to play for Nantes as well, didn't he? Um, what do you, what do you guys, are you guys familiar with this player? What do you think? Do you think he's OM material? If that means anything. Is he only relation to the is he only relating to uh, Danish international, uh, whose second name is Tom Asson? I, 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 the only reason I know that is because I've got him on football. <laughs> I don't think moment. so. But... Uh, I think yeah, it was Jan uh, Dal Thomason, wasn't he? Yeah, we that's rumored, it. We were rumoured to be in for him as well at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Who was an incredibly like um, he wasn't a very like technically sound player, Thomason, but he was an effective player. He scored goals. Well, he did play for AC yeah. Milan and won the Champions League, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he had no skill whatsoever. Yeah, but he still won the Champions League. So, <laughs> yeah, by playing about one substitute appearance, I think, while Shevchenko was, you know, the main striker, wasn't yep, he? Yeah, those were days. He played in the final, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, anyway, right, Adrian Thomasson is a, he's a nifty little player, and I think we're all going to have to come to terms with the fact we're not going to sign superstars. So, if that's all we can sign and to make up the numbers, because he probably won't be a starter there because Payet's out on the left. If he comes in to make the numbers and he puts in a shift, bring him on. And who knows, it could be a pleasant surprise. But it, again, it's the, the problem is that our expectations compared to the reality of the situation, we, we're all going to have to sit down and take a, a deep breath when, when the transfer window does eventually open. Because we're in a shit position. We have no money. And we're going to have to pick up the scraps that nobody else wants. And he's, I think we could do worse than signing him, but we could also do better, which is, it's just a testament to how poorly the clubs have been managed, but also how, how much this situation's affecting finances. Um, Ed, any thoughts? Uh, pretty much echo what Ben thought. I mean, think about it. I mean, we should be sounding a little bit better, but let's face it, every club will be in the same boat. No one will be made, apart from Man United, who are rumoured to be signing Kane. No one will be making big moves this transfer market. It'll probably be the worst for years. It'll be like, yeah, it'll be like something out of the eighties when you know there's only three foreign players allowed. So uh, I just don't, I don't expect much. There was better times, if you ask me. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I think there's um, well, there's a lot of noises from agents, and this is about the transfer market in general. That because clubs aren't going to have funds to spend on fees. There's going to be a lot of swaps happening, and this is something. I mean, Ed, you've you've picked up Football Manager again, so you're probably doing it. I mean, it's something mm. that you all you all do in Football Manager, and think, oh, this isn't that difficult. Why don't clubs do it in real life? Mm. Um, but it, I think we're going to see a lot of that this summer. I think there's going to be a few swap deals. Um, one of the big rumored ones is Lautaro Martinez from Inter Milan going to Barcelona in exchange for Griezmann. So you, you sort of wonder if it's going to be a, a different sort of market where we're going to see swap deals like that and big players mm. moving from, from big clubs to each other and a bit of, a, of an experiment. Who knows? Yeah, it'd be a bit, it, it'd be a bit like the NFL when they trade uh, different players. So we will have probably an NFL-style system, in which case I would like to trade the city of Marseille, the Velodrome, uh, the surrounding areas for Kylian Mbappe. Please, and I'd also like. <laughs> I'd also probably like. I'd like. Uh, uh, should we include Neymar in the deal? Can we offer all the pizza trucks uh, surrounding the stadium as well as a bargaining? I think we can do it. But anyway, it will be like an NFL style system. Sounds but, like you're playing Monopoly. Mm? <laughs> yes. That this has existed in football in the past. Um, I, I remember in the nineties, mid late nineties. There was a lot of swap deals in in Serie A between Italian clubs, you know, even between rivals like AC Milan and Milan swapping players. Um, they used to do it a lot in Italy. So um, until kind of I think fairly recently, you know. So yeah, it, it, although maybe it does seem like something you only see in like computer games, but um, I think it does have it, it has happened in the past and in in quite a sort of high profile sense as well, where you know big name players have been exchanged. Um, so yeah, so who knows? Maybe we will see more of that. Okay, um, we had one more rumor um, to talk about another sort of less known name, young mid defensive midfielder for Le Havre, Papa Gay. I don't know how you say his name. Gay. I don't know. Is that how you pronounce it? Gay. 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 
Yep, yep. So yep. he's a yeah, young Sen- Senegalese, I believe. I mean, I've never seen him, but um, I think that I've read quite. I've, I've been aware of this player for a while, actually. So I had seen his name, you know, floating around in some, um, you know, news site, online sites. You know, he's regarded as quite, you know, a decent talent, actually. Does would you be excited about signing sort of you know young players like this um, from League Two who might have the quality to kind of um, step up? Well, Louvre have got a history of producing solid players, and their academy's always been pretty highly rated. And I, I think you look at the players as an individual. He's he's you know he's six foot two, big strong player, twenty one years old. He's got Premier League written all over him. He's got someone like you know, Brighton or Aston Villa, 10, 15 million written all over him. I, I think we've come to the game too late. That's what the press seems to be saying as well. We've we've started making moves on him a bit too late because other clubs have been in there before us. Is he the type of profile that we need in the squad? Definitely. He he, he just, he sounds like another zombo on Gisa. So I'd, I'd have him, but I, I really don't I'm just going to have to interject there actually and just yeah. say that. Zambo Anguisa is the player that I used to dislike the most before he left and then it became Bunasar. So I won't agree with that one. Um and I'll just say that I hope he's more like a Tongi M Dumbelli or something, you know, when Leon bought him from Amiens. <laughs> I, I meant I meant in terms of the gamble and the money we spent on Zambo Anguisa, not in terms of the player he turned out to be. Having said that, he I think he was uh... Yeah, I think he was. He's in the top five of um, dribblers in La Liga this season. On Zombo Gisaf for Villarreal, so don't bash him too much. No, just for one bad season at Fulham, you shouldn't bash a whole player's career. Yeah, no, I was referring to his time at Marseille. Actually, well, he was average at Marseille. Well, he well he made that mistake in the Europa League final, which um, he wasn't that great. But he was better than what we've got. Kevin Streetman, example. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Um, okay. So. Um, before we finished off tonight, I wanted to briefly mention a couple of um, nice things actually that are going on in the club. So maybe we won't have time to talk about them, but just sort of mention them. So some kind of good positive stuff happening, um, particularly um, well in light of the coronavirus outbreak. So things like we've read that um, the club using its um, training centre as a refuge for um, victims of domestic violence. Um, and also another thing that I had came across was that I don't know if anyone saw this, but um, every day at eight o'clock, apparently at the, at the velodrome, the speakers are still blaring out the sounds of um, Van Halen's jump <laughs> and Ozarm chant. The, you know the chant, supporters chant. Um, yeah, there they are. Pretty yeah, cool. That's, that's great. That's a real booster. That's a real, that's a real booster. Let's have Oz arms in there. Adam Medics instead of Oz no, the, the, Yeah, the context is though that you know we applaud the NHS every Thursday here in the UK. They in France it's every night at eight pm that they applaud the medical staff. So that's why the club are doing it. That's the club's way of marking that eight pm sim- symbol is playing the speakers in the stadium as a show of solidarity. And then yeah, on the other front. You know, it's good. We're putting the facilities to use. No one else is using them. So, and, and it's a good, good gesture for to help people that need it. So, by all means, I mean it's it's good that the club's in the press for the right reasons. Yeah, not bad reasons. Like we're playing like death metal at like two a.m. waking all the nurses up. Yeah, it's possible. I wouldn't call Van Halen. No, no, Jesus. No, but I'm just saying, like an example. You know, playing death metal at two a.m. Screaming, you know, angry. Get off, you lazy fuckers! Just like that. So it's good. It's nice. It's a nice gesture. We should have it in England. Yeah, you know, stadium PA is getting used for that. For like- I think. Um, I think a lot of clubs have put their stadiums at the availability of the NHS or homeless people. I think, to be fair, a lot of clubs have done that. Crystal Palace, Watford. They've welcomed, you know, homeless people, given them shelter, given them meals and stuff. So it's good to see solidarity and it's good to see Marseille leading in that sense because I don't think many other clubs in France are doing it. It's a good point. And I think um, something just to, um, I guess, always remember, which we often forget, is that a football club is very much part of a community and a lot of football, a lot if not all, most football clubs, you know, started off, uh, you know, as a, a 
as at a community level, you know, an institution, a local institution, you know, um, and then you know, obviously, as times have changed, they've developed into something else, and so they shouldn't forget their roots. Um, so yeah, it's very important, I think, that you know these clubs do engage with the you know the very communities that um, that support them. So um, on that note, um, I think that will end today's podcast. Um, so that was, it was good to end on a happy note for once, which we rarely do on this podcast. We're usually just complaining about how bad everything's been. Um, so yeah, um, thanks very much, um, guys, for taking part. Um, it's good to get back together. Pleasure. Yeah, same Thank to you. you. Same to you guys. Yeah, pleasure, and hopefully. Hopefully we see some football in the not too distant future. The the Bundesliga is rumored to be starting again, so I'll be watching that when it does. Yep. Hopefully what are we going to call us? What are we going to call ourselves? The Schalke view from now on. <laughs> okay, so um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening, um, and we will try and get more content out as and when you know there's enough sort of to cover. Thank you. All right, take care. Cheers. Bye. Guys. Bye.